Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Hillary Coles, the co-founder and vice president of product at Hims and Hers. In this episode, we talk to Hillary about Hims' rapid two-year trajectory, the cross-section of telemedicine and wellness, and why hers is being bold about sex. Hope you enjoy the episode. Today on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have Hillary Coles, the co-founder and vice president of product development at Hims and Hers. Welcome, Hillary. Thank you so much. We're so excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So, Hillary, walk us back a little bit. You know, when Hims first started two years ago, what was kind of the genesis of that idea and that brand? Yeah, it's so funny. We were just talking about this earlier today because two years ago this time we were like fully in the throes. And I feel like I've blacked out through several periods of the past two years because it's been such a ride. So we had this idea that when we looked at the men's market out there for wellness, we have wellness, which is this rapidly growing industry, $4.2 trillion dollars. And you looked at what was out there for men, and it was either empty shelves in the back of Walgreens, or it was um, late night television infomercials, or it was all these like deep, dark Reddit spirals where, by the way, internet is only ever going to tell you that you're going to die. Um, And it was just, it was terrible in this panic. And, And when we looked into it a little bit more, we learned that men were not going to the doctor. Most men had not seen their GP. Men were avoiding taking care of themselves, really. And the classic issues that men were being affected by, things like hair loss, things like erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, are so common. One quarter of men will experience um, erectile dysfunction before the age of 40. Two-thirds of men will start balding, um, experiencing hair loss before their age of 35. These are conditions that were typically framed as older men, linen pants on the beach. And really it was, these are things affecting our, our husbands, our brothers, our, the guys in our lives. And the brands out there weren't reflecting that. They weren't reflecting that you can do something about it. And there are products that can help because what was out there was wrapped up by patents. And so we had these incredible drugs, things like Viagra and Propecia came off patent. Um, between 2016 and 2018, essentially. And we were able, and before where you'd have to have, you know, you'd have to know a doc guy who'd refer you to a doctor um, and he would, you know, write you a prescription and you're out several hundreds of dollars a month because no insurance would cover it. All of a sudden, thanks to telemedicine laws changing, thanks to drugs coming off patent, we could package this all up for you. So in the way that you order food or order a ride share and everything is end to end and you know in a ride share you're going to get a 10x better experience than you are with a cab, we can ensure that end to end you not only can speak to a doctor on your own time from the comfort of your couch, from the comfort of your phone, um, you can get medical products that are backed by science and that are affordable, fit into your monthly budget, and it can be delivered to you to your door. Uh, and it works. So it kind of has all of these things guaranteed to be a better experience. Um, and we were really, we used an incredible brand and voice and, um, you know, really provocative campaigns to launch to kind of disrupt this idea that men shouldn't want to take care of yourself because themselves, because society has told men that it's weird to want to take care of yourself. Um, You know, that's, 
and it's so frustrating. It was so frustrating for us to learn more about because there were these solutions that were available and out there. There was just nobody really championing products with high integrity, um, effective means of seeing doctors and convenient access, which is the way we experience everything else in the world. So we wanted to provide that. So, Hillary, when you think about um, the telemedicine piece, which is such a big part Mm -hmm. of HIMSS and HERS, you know, classically, that also kind of got a bad rap. So when you were thinking about two different segments that were kind of difficult to tackle, you know, was there any kind of fear or, or worry that one part of it would not work? Yeah, the telemedicine network was an enormous amount of work to put together. Essentially, every single state is regulated by its own telemedicine laws. And so we had to ensure that for every condition that we treat, we were appropriately um, providing the best standard of care in every single state. And that's both for him's and for hers. And telemedicine has changed a lot, exactly as you said. You know, the, tele- the telemedicine we all grew up with was, you know, calling a nurse or calling a medical provider in the middle of the night. That was like mind-bending in the 80s and 90s, and that's what's in a lot of the legislation today. And today, we all live on our smartphones, and we're in this world that when this legislation was written 20, 30 years ago, um, they couldn't fathom. And so a lot of these things have had to get updated over the past few years, which is why we're seeing a lot of freedom in telemedicine to actually expand and be able to treat people asynchronously like we do in our platform, which means that Epria come on for hers.com, you fill out a questionnaire, and then a doctor who's licensed in your state, um, and the average tenure of doctors on our platform is 20 years, are going to be able to review your answers and help you decide if one of the options on our platform is right for you. And that's something that, you know, has really pushed out the way that we grew up historically thinking of telemedicine um, to what it is today, which is something that fits really conveniently into our lives. You mentioned a second ago, um, you the way that you guys approach, you know, messaging and marketing these yeah. products, you know, whether it's here in New York and you see uh, a phallic kind of looking cactus on the subway mm-hmm. or the way that people are talking about baldness um, in a campaign. Tell us a little bit about how you guys kind of thought that that was the right way to approach it for millennial or Gen Z. Yeah. Men. Yeah. We we did a lot of testing. So we looked at brands. Um, we created a few kind of test pilot companies before we launched Tim's. We did one that was super, super masculine focused. Um, We did one that was very hipster, which I'm sure some people will roll their eyes at because we get framed into the hipster context, but like, you know, super graphic, all caps. And we had a lot of manly red. And the concept that got the most traction, the concept that got the most eyeballs and the most response was always based in humor. So we knew from the get-go humor was going to be a a really important pillar for us. And then as we looked at at the market and brands that we admired, they all had this elevated sense of design and they loved the idea that for the cost of a shampoo, less than $20, you could elevate your bathroom and you could feel good. And what would it be like if you could open a box and have it smell good? So like we personally sprayed Andrew's favorite cologne, which is the Lava Santal, into every box in the early days. We wanted everything... We wanted the labels to be a special soft touch. We sourced a particular craft from New Zealand to be in the outer boxes. Like we wanted all of this to come together and feel elevated and then have that be mixed with this almost your older brother or your friend that knows what he's doing. That one guy who like smells good. He's got his shit together and you look up to him and telling you like, why? Why are you like, take care of yourself. Get get your shit together. 
So it wasn't the this. depressing kind of magazine tear out that you saw about Viagra in the 90s. Yeah. Or this like very affluent guy on the beach with the linen pants or this guy bodybuilding at, on on the cable at 2 a.m. Right. It was this guy that really looks like guys that we know um, and providing the tools, not just saying too bad. It's saying like, hey, actually, there's options if you want to be bald. That's totally cool. If you don't, there are options. And if you're not satisfied with your current sex life, there are also options. And it's not weird to use a moisturizer if your skin is itchy and dry after you shave. Like basic things. And how can that change how you think about how you go about the rest of your day, right? You're improving upon yourself in all of these little ways. And so we thought that's really important. And that's been kind of our North Star of empowerment. And we believe if you feel good about yourself, you'll take care of yourself. So... About a year after you launched Tim's, Mm -hmm. hers came in the picture. Yeah. So when you think about, you know, how you were going to tackle that category, which is also, you know, based on a lot of these old medications that were the patents expired, Mm -hmm. you're talking to a totally different audience. Women want to be spoken to differently. They want different kind of products and needs. So what was the playbook there? Yeah. It's so interesting because with men, the space was basically tumbleweeds, not much happening. And with women, as... We're in a room full of women, for everyone who's listening. You know, we're inundated with wellness positioning and uh, assumptions about how we should be taking care of ourselves and this idea that you should, what is self-care and what is a 10-step skincare routine and all of these things. But when you really looked at the market and when we looked at the market in terms of really tactical, supportive options that were backed in science that gave you uh, access, access being the really, really, really key word, Um, access to a reputable provider, reputable solutions, and legitimized all of your medical questions and concerns, that wasn't out there. I remember getting a UTI in the middle of the day, as I do, most inconvenient time, crazy day at work. Or the middle of the night. Or the middle of the night, or on vacation. Like, it's never when you're right beside a pharmacy or your doctor's office, right? And we had, you know, thousands of guys on our platform. And I had to cancel the whole rest of my day, all my meetings, and go see my doctor. I was like, this is bullshit. (laughs) Like, how is this possible that I have, you know, I open up Instagram and I'm being targeted by every single wellness company under the sun and I am in pain. I have a fever and I now have to cancel my whole day to seek support. And I think when we look at what the world is like now, especially politically in this climate, unfortunately, there's a huge... um, a huge feeling of insecurity about what healthcare is going to be like, specifically with reproductive rights. And when it come, what equality comes down to for us, and equality is something we've taken a really big stand on. Andrew recently signed the um, CEO letters demanding reproductive rights uh, and for equality in the workplace. It comes down to reproductive rights because if you can't, as women, if we can't ensure that we are provided for from family planning and we have access to birth control and all and emergency contraception should we need it, we are disproportionately disadvantaged. And so that is part of why we took a huge stake when the abortion funds um, and we donated $150,000 to the abortion funds and one of our social posts went viral um, because we were so horrified by what was going on with the heartbeat bans. Because we really think that the only people that should have a say in your health are you and your doctor. And so the whole reason why that idea started, and I think is really indicative of our audience of women and our community of women, is we said, you know, if we like this post, we'll donate 
$10,000 to National Network of Abortion Funds. We ended up hitting 150,000 likes within 18 hours in our first day. So it's crazy. Um, and we when we matched it and we hit 150,000, we kept getting likes and we kept getting this momentum. And so while we can talk about hers saves you money because we help you skip the dermatologist or copays are getting more expensive, both of which are true, and it helps you you know, saves you the time from taking off work or going to see a doctor, which all those things it does. Critically, it gives access to birth control and coming in a few weeks, emergency contraception, which is so important for so many women across this country, because the reality is for so many women that while there are other wellness options for women, there aren't options for many women who are driving an hour each way every month to pick up birth control to the only pharmacy that routinely has it. Or to the woman who told us that her doctor told her dad when she asked him for birth control. There are all of these, they're between biases, expense, uh, physical distance. There are all of these barriers. And our job is really to address those because if we can't address those, we're not going to be able to move forward and serve them, serve women across other elements of this. When you think about that play, whether it's more birth control options, which you guys are upping your offering of that, as well as emergency contraception, those are much more risky categories than, say, you know, a skincare routine or, you know, a hair care routine. Is there worry or fear around the messaging of that? Because, you know, you may not be able to target the customer on Facebook or Google the way that you are able to target, you know, a moisturizer. Yeah. I mean, our goal is always going to be to be able to provide women with options, access to education, and access to medical providers. Uh, we recently had Pat Carroll, who was the chief medical officer at Walgreens, join us as our chief medical officer. And through his stewardship of our medical programming, it's been incredible to double down on some of these pieces of where we're providing female health support, um, where we're seeing we can get involved with the barriers of what's out there. And I think there's a real line between what's been done before, which is for many women that having to go in every time they needed birth control, it's actually not considered best standard of care for medicine to make every woman go in and get their birth control. That's just what we've done before. And so part of it is kind of shifting this cultural perception. And similarly to the rideshare example I used earlier, when you have a rideshare, 10 years ago, if you told all of us we would pay good money to get into a stranger's car, I mean, there's just no way. And similarly, I think we're still getting over this idea of, can you see a doctor without physically going into a doctor's office? Um, and what about that could be made better? And could you have the best? And our, and our whole goal at Hims and Hers is exceeding the best standard of care by providing access to telemedicine. When you think about the female customer today, you know, she expects more, she's more demanding, and she's more cynical. So I know mm-hmm. that, um, at least in your marketing and messaging, one thing recently that happened was with the beta blocker, the, the way that you guys positioned that, the way that you first talked about that. So how important was it to kind of um, get in front of it and talk to her directly the way that, you know, she wanted to be spoken to? Yeah, I think the beauty and the responsibility of having a D2C business is that you hear directly from your customers whether or not you're doing a good job or a bad job. And that ad was something that we missed the mark on. And because we have this direct relationship with our customers, we were able to go out and say, hey, this missed a checkpoint. This is not accurately or adequately describe who we are as a brand, what our product offering is, and what our platform is. We're going to fix that. And the ability to just get in there and speak directly and truthfully to our 
um, user base, I think actually strengthened our relationship with our consumers. And we got a ton of positive um, people writing in, a ton of a ton of positive people DMing us afterwards, telling us like, thank you, you're real people, you get it. I trust that you know what you're doing with this brand and I trust you with my health. So that was incredibly, incredibly inspiring for us. Hillary, you know, Hims and Hers is now valued at $1 billion. And it's also, you've managed to raise nearly $200 million in funding. So when you think about, you know, the growth acceleration of that, what's really, what's the runway forward? Like how much more can you guys do in such a short amount of time? Yeah, I mean, the healthcare system to date has not served so many people. It is so full of barriers. And I mean, I'll list out all my favorite stats because I think they're important, which are, in this country today, you will wait an average of 24 days to get in and see a primary care provider. You will then pay an average of $117 to see that primary care provider. You'll you'll take transportation. You'll drive 36 minutes on average to see that person. You will probably have to find child care or take off work or make some sort of alternative plan. And even then, you might be referred out. You might be told that your doctor doesn't agree with you or is perhaps biased against what you're saying, which is what we hear from many, many women. Um, and then dealing with insurance, if you've required treatment, is just almost uh, impossibly complex at this point. So as we think through this difficult, burdensome, complicated process, it feels like it is there's very little that we can't do, and there's certainly tons of room to improve upon. So as we think about every aspect of the patient journey from the moment they come on to forhims.com or forhers.com to the moment they speak to a provider on our platform, and then if they want one of the products and they're appropriate for one of the products and they receive that, we want all of that to be improved. So is there more we can do further upstream with diagnostics? Is there more that we can do downstream with being there for customers in person, in brick and mortar? Um, as you think through all of the things that we have all, I'm sure, Googled and and asked a friend about and tried to solve on our own, but were embarrassed about or was stigmatized, that list just keeps on going. So for us, our goal is just improving access across the board. And whether that's to education, to products, or to providers on our platform, we feel like the sky's the limit. When you think about wellness as a category, you know, a lot of people define it in different ways. It could be tampons, it could be yoga, it could be Pilates and everything in between. Yeah. So when you are playing in in this arena and you're dealing with products like moisturizers or beta blockers or even emergency contraception, what does wellness really mean to you? Like how big could it get or how small is it? Wellness is about having choices and having access to those choices. And the first level for that for us is education. Because if you don't know, if you're not educated that you have certain options, you won't know to pursue those options. So that is a really huge hurdle. I think we're in a really interesting position with wellness because we're able to speak to people in a way that is more consumer forward, more the way that they've been coached and expect to have when they go on their favorite e-commerce sites. However, we back it up with having legitimate and tactical support of medically backed products, of providers who are average tenure, again, 20 years, and incredible, constantly like daily updated resources. 
And so what I think that gives is this I, is this um, almost extra engine and firepower to what wellness is, which is the whole goal of wellness and self-care is you're in the decision maker seat. But with real medicine, with real reputable information coming directly from providers, you can actually make changes that you wish to see because you have those incredible options. It's not just a face mask or it's not just a yoga class. And I think one of, when we talk about this, one of the issues that comes up for me with wellness is it shouldn't be something that costs thousands of dollars and takes up hours of your time. That's great for some people, but that's not going to be for everyone. And as we look at what the world is right now, we are all more alike than we are different. And it should be more democratic and it should be more universal. And as we think through where hims and hers is going and this idea of what a CPG, the next level could be, one that is actually looks like us and looks like people that we know and is not so removed from the end consumer. And, and because we have this incredible D2C feedback loop, um, I think we're really, really excited to continue to both evolve the wellness side, the healthcare side, this idea of self-care and kind of tie this up and be what the future needs and not necessarily what has served us not well to date. So do you consider yourselves as equals or kind of as competitors with, say, like a Unilever or a Proctor when you think about CPG in that space? I mean, is this the next wave of that? Yeah, I really think that we're redefining our own category. If you think about it, there hasn't been anybody who's been able to package together both prescription products, OTC products, and beautiful cosmetic products all in the same box that gets delivered to your home and is and that people are trusting with so many different categories. So I think we're in our own our own, own worlds that definitely has pieces of CPG, that definitely has pieces of wellness and, and traditional DNVBs, but is in this new space that I think is really, really, really powerful. When you think about your customer and, you know, we haven't talked about him or her specifically yet, are they coming to you for, say, finasteride, which is, you know, generic or unpatented Propecia, and then walking to, say, a moisturizer or then walking to an erectile dysfunction product? You know, is that customer, does that loyalty exist beyond a sole product or is it kind of crossing categories? It's definitely crossing categories. We see men are coming to us, specifically we'll talk men in this group, but for the, for the most part, the vast majority of our men are coming to us to solve this issue for the first time, and which is crazy because there are things that are in the market and it's the first time that they've ever, you know. And we're talking about Propecia? We're talking, yeah, we're talking everything. <laughs> okay. Hair loss, erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation. This is the first time they're taking action. And we are just incredibly encouraged and motivated because they're not only coming to us, but they're staying with us and they're looking at other categories, whether that be somebody who's in our sex category looking at skincare, whether that be someone in our skincare category who's looking to um, hair care or looking to uh, a beta blocker. There's It crosses over and we take that really, really seriously. Last question, Hillary. I know a second ago you mentioned that what is the physical touch point of this look like? And, you know, we talk about this often on the Glossy Beauty podcast and people talk about, you know, the increased price of customer acquisition on digital and, you know, the Google and Facebook kind of algorithm changing constantly. I mean, is that something that you guys see as scalable and something that you would want to do, you know, physical outposts of hims and hers? We love talking about how we show up in the real world. 
And for us to date, that's been coasters and bars in New York. That's been sponsoring cornhole tournaments. That's been taking over the subway, taking over all the urinals at AT AT&T Park in San Francisco. The important thing for us is testing because we are for everybody. And we're not meant to go after the same customer that the same companies are going after. We're going after guys who might not be on their smartphone all day long. We're going after women who are not on Instagram all day long. We're trying to reflect that there's a diversity of experiences. And part of that is very much being showing up in the real world. Uh, We've done a pop-up so far in Dallas with Neighborhood Goods, which was really incredible to see people interacting and touching and feeling and tasting our products in person. And it's definitely an area we're going to continue to consider. But like with everything we do, we want to make sure it's entirely on-brand, entirely helpful, um, and entirely provocative. Last, last question, Hillary. So what about international? I know Hims just launched in the UK in the winter. Mm -hmm. What's the plan for hers? At this time, we are focusing on our efforts in the U.S. because hers is still, you know, just launched at the end of 2018. But we're always about access and people need access all over the world. So lots, lots to look forward to. Perfect. Thank you so much, Hillary. It was great having you. Thanks, Priya. Always fun. Before I let you go, last year was the highest number of school shootings on record. As kids across the country head back to school, we must protect them and teach them how to stop violence before it happens. Sandy Hook Promise is planning a new back to school PSA to show parents, kids and educators the importance of knowing the signs of gun violence. And we're looking for media donations to help us spread this message. Please visit sandyhookpromise.org slash media to get involved and help us protect children from violence in schools. Thank you for listening. 